It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James True Penny. This is my show, and today we're having a break from our usual view and review shows. It brought back this Lola Bradley, Bradley, Lola Bradley, even of various wrestling abodes in the United States of America. Premier, backstage interviewer and media personality. How are you, Mom? I'm doing very well. I'm very tired because I'm adult and I don't have a set bedtime. Um, but you made me sound very, very like WWE backstage, like whirly. So thank you. That woke me up. It's okay. Well, you are, though. You're very good at what you do. I, I I try. I'm small. And like John Mulaney said, I'm small and under a lot of stress, but I, I try my best. <laughs> like all the best backstage interviewers are. <laughs> so, <laughs> so today we are having a bit of a, a roundup and a chat about US indie wrestling because we haven't talked about that in a while. Um, we've talked about lots of New Japan stuff because New Japan's been awesome. We've talked about Joshi, we've talked about Japan, we've talked about UK wrestling. So we're going to have a go at some American indie wrestling because we haven't really checked in, I guess, since Ring of Honor at the Madison Square Garden show in March. <laughs> it was the last time we seriously yeah. talked American indie wrestling. We've watched a little bit of AEW uh, with the fight for the fallen and the double or nothing pay-per-view. So we have talked about that. But AEW are on a bit of a kick at the moment. They're starting their TV show on TNT in the States and on ITV4 in the UK. So that's something worth talking about. And you've been quite busy yourself. So what have you been up to? Oh, gosh. It's been, last I checked, it's been about five months since we last talked here. Um, And Mm. a lot is kind of gone down. A lot has kind of uh, happened. A lot of exciting things that I've been working on nonstop. Um, Basically... I left one company um, just because the workload was uh, a bit much for my health. Um, so I'm only currently working with Ride Wrestling at the moment, which is in uh, the area of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, on the other side of the pond, if you will. And I've been able to do a lot of things creatively and kind of um, proving myself wrong in terms of how creative I can get and just learning uh, the ins and outs of the business still. Um and I, you know, I think I mentioned before when we spoke that wrestling never technically sleeps. There's always things to work on. There's always things to improve on. And there's always things to kind of grow um, personally from. And, yeah, i just been, uh, I, I don't even know where to start, honestly. But um, <laughs> in terms of the Rise Wrestling pre-show that... Uh, Myself, my co-host Benjamin C. Steele, host. Um, we tried out new live interactive graphics, which were really cool and was a lot of uh, attention grabbing. Um, let me tell you, like Google uh, Google Slides is like the most easiest thing in the world to work on. So bless whoever created that. Shout out to Google. Um, and we've been stepping things up in terms of kind of taking my podcast format from the Rise Strong podcast that I used to do and. Um, kind of making it work for a live pre-show setting in terms of bringing on, you know, uh, wrestlers to kind of talk about what's been going on in their storylines and what they've been involved in. We just recently had um, A-plus Ryan Cassidy from New York, uh, the last pre-show, which was pretty fun. And 
Um, just in terms of uh, the branch off from Rise Uprise Wrestling, where we bring in, you know, various talent from the East Coast to get their footing in the door of Pennsylvania Professional Independent Wrestling. Um, and then that show is actually coming up next Sunday. And I've been working on this talk show format, something new and never done before for Uprise, where uh, since it's an early show, bell time of like four, I figured, hey, you know, since it's not going to be super late, let's try a post-show setup. So basically, I'm going to be the female version of, gosh, I don't even know, Jimmy Kimmel? Maybe not even Jimmy Kimmel. But I'm taking that talk format. Um, three interviews will be happening with Good Vibes Bray McKenzie, the successful St. George Styles. He's a pain in my ass. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, Ryder Reed from Absolute Intense Wrestling in Cleveland. So it's going to be really fun to see how their conflicting personalities kind of uh, go back and forth with each other. It sounds really, really fascinating. Kind of like a throwback to, I think, that's it. I, I never got to see it because I was European, but back in the day, the Tuesday Night Titans show used to be like, I was yeah. yeah, that's that sounds like an idea that because it gives everybody a chance to have a sit down promo which is different from like staring directly intensely into the microphone and talking about your feud and you can explore a few different things and create some depth to those characters because if they don't care about the characters no one's going to watch are they exactly and you know i'm so used to doing this live or facebook live uh pre-show format just for regular rise shows and we've been kind of getting our footing as far as timing and just grabbing people's attention and it was one of those things where I just kind of sat down. I get the, like, really weird ideas at the weirdest times for wrestling. Like, I'll be in the shower or I'll be, like, eating food or I'll be out shopping. Just say, hey, I need to work on this when I get home. Like, my brain never stops uh, with ideas. But I just figured, why not switch things up for Uprise and give it a different feel from the main roster uh, of Rise Wrestling? And I did some research on Tuesday Night Titans. I want to bring that feel where you can just have a more relaxed setting and still convey, hey, this is what's been going on here. Kind of dive deeper into the characters of Uprise since it is a newer thing, since it started November of last year. And I want to give those guys an opportunity to kind of have their time, have their moment and not be, you know, constricted to a minute and a half interview. Yeah, it, it's it always intrigues me like how you present wrestlers. One of the things that always kind of impressed upon me, one of the good things Jim Cornette did in his Ring of Honor run was have those little sit down. Wait, vignettes. Jim Cornette did a good thing in wrestling. Well, hold he on. Does, he, hang on, let me finish. I mean, this, yeah, there's all the other crap Jim does. Well, yeah. the one of the <laughs> things that as a TV producer, one of the good things he did when he was in his Ring of Honor run, well, there were so many bad things about the Ring of Honor run, some of which were his fault, some of which weren't. But the actual little sit-down vignettes with the lower-card wrestlers who gave them a chance to grow, it explained why they were there, what they wanted to do, why they were into, why they were wrestlers, and it went in-depth. And I, I think it was actually probably one of the better things they did in Ring of Honor, to be honest with you, or Cornette did in Ring of Honor. Uh, watching those shows back in oh, 2013, 2014, it looked like big-quality production. It looked like they'd shifted the needle of the company because they were taking time over those details and presenting their new guys to a new audience. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jimbo is Jimbo, isn't he? And he does. Jimbo going to Jimbo. Things. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just, I'm so excited to try new things and have the opportunity. Uh, you know, Brandon Kay, uh, the owner of Rise, 
um, and Marcus Mann, the uh, no longer head of talent at Rise, but he's kind of working behind the scenes a little bit uh, with Uprise Wrestling. It's same with, even though he's had some issues, I have to give props to Matt Connor for giving a, a showcase to the newer guys that are just like coming out of training or haven't got that opportunity yet, and we're giving them that opportunity uh, on the stage of Uprise. Um, and it just, it, it's very, very, um, it's a very gratifying and satisfying feeling, that rhymes, um, just to know that you can have an idea and go to one of them and sit down and say, hey, you know, this is what I have in mind, what do you think, um, and kind of bounce ideas off of each other. And I, I'm very, very organized as an interviewer. Like, when I came up with this talk show idea, I sat down in, like, 30 minutes and just outlined everything I could possibly. So I have all things covered from production to the interviews to everything you could possibly imagine uh, of what goes into that kind of a talk show setup. Um, and I, I do really, really appreciate the fact that I can have creative freedom and kind of express myself and help, you know, the guys and the girls in the locker room um, elevate themselves even more than they already do on their own. And I'm very, very proud to be a part of that. Yeah, I can see where it's where it is a good idea because it's a minimal cost, maximum output kind of situation. Chat shows don't cost very much because all you need is a set and a camera, but they give you the maximum amount of expression because you can sit down and talk to a subject for 10 to 15 minutes and make it work really well. Um, yeah, and getting used to a podcast format from recording, you know, a year or so ago, um, you can kind of have a feel for what you need to get across in that time limit, I guess, but still be able to cater questions that aren't the same, you know, cookie cutter, mm. uh, aren't the same cookie cutter delivery uh, as you see on like WWE television, like no offense to like Kayla Braxton or Renee, like they're absolutely fabulous. They're, those are the people I do look up to. Um, just you, you have more on a smaller scale, you have more options as to what you can ask and how you can ask different questions and, and, and personalize those things. That way it comes across as personable and grabs attention for the viewer who is a casual Rise fan or just discovering Rise or Uprise. Um, and one thing I initially was worried about um, when I got into wrestling, I was constantly getting comparisons to like, you know, you can be our Eddie Kingston or you can be our Renee Young or you can you you can be insert um, general interviewer name here. And that was even more motivation for me to push outside the box on what I can do or how I can help. Um, and one thing that really worried me, um, the possible comparisons to, you know, Tuesday Night Titans or or uh, Roddy's Pit, just the, those classic things that people grew up watching. And I, I, I want to do an homage to them just because they did so much in the business and they were such legends. And I also want to update it to 2019 where anything's on the table to be discussed in a PJ, PG um, format. So, yeah, I just, I'm very, very excited, and everyone else seems to be sort of excited too, which makes me feel way better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, the, these things will work, and they are such a good format for, for launching people about 
uh, on their ideas and how they can develop their storylines and their characters as well. So I look forward to seeing it when I get a chance. Thank you. Thank you. So what about other things in the wrestling world? What's been catching your attention as of late? Oh, um, I'm really glad you asked. And this is the first thing that kind of came to mind uh, just because I've been through similar lately. Um, so people have been more wrestlers, uh, especially like Sasha Banks, Killer Cross, John Moxley, have been very open on social media in terms of, you know, why they decided to take a break or why they left the, uh, their their respective companies. Um, and there's a double standard, I feel, where, um, you know, people were saying, you know, John Moxley just took his ball and went home. Uh, I'm seeing more support for Killer Cross, which is surprising for the most part, just because maybe... Just because he's an impact, I don't know. Uh, I guess he had some contract issues, which he's just setting out the rest of his contract, like Pac did, Pac did. Um, and then on the flip side, you have people constantly harassing, you know, Sasha Banks and Kylie Ray for leaving to kind of get their head back and get their their come back down from the clouds. Um, and there there is a huge double standard where. You know, it's okay for certain people to talk about mental health or doing what's right and standing up for themselves. Um, mm. And I feel like just because there's a sort of double standard, obviously it varies on the situation and what went down or what supposedly went down. But we really need to normalize, you know, even on a smaller scale, stepping away and doing what's best for you, you know, mentally, physically, um, and just all around to become a better person from these experiences and make sure that you're not burning yourself out like John Moxley was, like Sasha Banks was. Um, and I, I feel like just because the internet ex is so uh, successful, that's not the word, accessible, um, that everyone becomes a critic or everyone can become a wrestling journalist and say what they have to say, depend like no matter how harsh the opinion is or how... Um, just inappropriate or, or sexist or hmm. just very mean thing. And I think just because the internet is so accessible, people feel like they can get away with saying that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think it is... Uh, how can I put this? It's, it's been... It's not just wrestling as well. I mean, I'm trying to remember the name of the quarterback from the Colts who just retired, and I can't remember his name. Him. Anyway. One guy. <laughs> uh, yes. He just retired. And Love? Andrew Love? No, no, can't remember. Anyway, sorry. Not a Colts fan, that's the reason why it didn't stick in my head. <laughs> um, but he retired because of injury. You know, he, he'd gone through his preseason and he's picking up niggling injuries and went to get a physio checkout and they sent him to a specialist to see his doctor and he said, well, you can keep playing quarterback or you can carry your child ever again. And unsurprisingly, he picked his family life over his um, career because he wants to be able to walk and have a, a set of life skills after he's finished playing football. And he was pilloried for it. The most millennial thing in the world, I think, was the worst comment I saw. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, yeah. There um, is a go, sorry, I was going to say there is a toxicity... Um, and it's not just in uh, America gets the, the worst end of it because there is that level of thought process there, suck it up and walk it off kind mm -hmm. of uh, attitude, specifically in football and wrestling and traditionally male patriarchal orientated sports. But it happens everywhere else as well. Um, 
there was a motorcycle racer called Casey Stoner a few years ago who rid for Ducati and he had a severe this is going to sound really weird but he had like extreme lactose intolerance and it was making him sick on a daily basis and nobody knew where it was and he was leading the world championship and he stopped racing and said i'm off home to australia i'm going to sort myself out he took six months off lost the world championship obviously um and ducati never forgave him despite the fact the following year he came back and won the world championship yeah and, and you know outside of wrestling or you know sports or even no. celebrity status which is weird a, a weird culture I, i'm an american and i think it's a weird shit culture um, just everything combined and, and people feel this sense of entitlement to a celebrity or to an athlete or to a celebrity and everyone becomes an expert all of a sudden even though they have nothing to do with these people in real life even though they see them on television or watch them you know race or play basketball or football or soccer um, or football whatever you call it over there I think it's still football right we, we call what you call soccer, we call football, and what you call football, we call American football. Okay, that, okay, yeah. just making sure. Um, <laughs> um, and people, and I, I constantly hit this home on Twitter, and I know you've seen it, it's just because these people gave you entertainment, you have no sense of entitlement to their private life or the decisions they make. Yeah, that's it. You know, and there is, there is plenty of cases of people who've had not great lives because they've gone above and beyond what they should have done. You know, um, and in fact, people should be applauded for calling it quits when they should call it quits. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it, it's, uh, and, and especially, I, but I, I do think you're right with, the, with Kylie Ray and, and with Sasha, there is an underlying sense of misogyny towards those mm-hmm. two particular cases because, oh, they're a girl and they can't take it is the, is the battle cry of people about this. And it's like, Hmm. Sasha went to go train with the Sendai girls the, yeah. with the toughest reputation for professional wrestling on this planet where the absolute best of the best go to become professional wrestlers in Joshi wrestling. No, I don't think she was not tough. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And it's yeah. like she like in similar like like I said, uh, Killer Cross, Kylie Ray, Sasha Banks, Moxley, Pac, um, I'm sure there's a, a handful of others. They knew what their worth was. They knew that if they kept pushing, they weren't going to enjoy what they love anymore. And I can very much relate to that because, you know, all the way back in September when I, I came back, it's been a year already, which is very emotional for me. But when I came back and I, I just immediately jumped in on my return to filling in at Shikara. And then everything locally kind of snowballed very quickly after that. I wasn't mm. prepared. It was kind of jumping off of a building with an endless fall. Um, and I wanted to do my, like, I was new to the bit, new to working inside the business, if you will. And I mm. wanted to, to do my best. I didn't want to rub anyone wrong. I, I wanted to do all I could write. I wanted to prepare, watch all these shows. And it got to the point where I hadn't realized how hard I've been pushing myself. And I just hit this screeching halt of just depression and, and not enjoying what I did anymore. Um, and I knew that I had to do something. I had to, you know, step away for a couple of weeks and take care of myself just because with 
wrestling being a constant cycle, you don't have any time to breathe, no matter how much you love or enjoy what you do. Um, mm. And, you know, stepping away for a couple of weeks, binge watching Netflix, you know, all the things that I did before I even got into wrestling helped me come back down a little um, to where I, I knew I had to step away from one company just because of my health and the frustration and just because I wasn't enjoying what I was doing there anymore. Um, and, you know, sticking primarily to to Rise, I this locker room is so welcoming and such a family. Um, and, you know, still, other, excuse me, <clears throat> still other people are very supportive, um, and I'm not taking that away. Um, just the fact that you can be who you are and have this creative freedom and just be who you want to be and not fit into any sort of mold is very refreshing. And it, it helped light a fire under my ass in terms of, I know I'm on the right track. I know what I'm doing is I, I have something going here that I know I can learn and improve on. And, and, and you know, I'm not saying I'm any Sasha Banks or Kylie Ray. It's just like I can relate. And the fact that if you're living a normal life like me, you don't get put under the microscope like that. But on a larger scale, your every single move is under the microscope by some hypocrite on Twitter, which is strange. And that's why I feel like if you're as small of a, a blip in the wrestling map as I am, or as large as a, a crater in the wrestling world, uh, televised wrestling world, it needs to be discussed and normalized that it is okay to do what's best for you mentally and physically. Yeah, I mean, there is, I mean, I think you were, we were talking about the Killer Cross case. I think Killer Cross gets a an easier time of it because he is such a nice guy. You know, he is, if you look at his Twitter feed, he's always Don't tell him that. He's going to, I said, don't tell anyone he's a nice guy. He's going to come find you. <laughs> I'm sure he is. But if you look at his Twitter feed and from my friends who have interviewed him, they, they oh, yeah. say he's a nice guy. You know, and he's always asking, he's always interacting with fans. He's always talking to people. He's always, you know, pouring himself out there in a positive way. And it, I think, you know, I, I watched him on the AAA show at uh, Triple Mania and he was happy as Larry. I know he, he was working the Bloodsport show last weekend and quite clearly having the time of his life. It's exactly what he wants to do with his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and working out his impact contract is just, he, he's he's done the right thing, I think. You know, impact, uh, impact's impact. And start, I'm finally starting to move somewhere, possibly with access to be this week but it's not a bad decision to take your time with that company they have a lot of talents they want to focus on um and if you want to take your time off and there is a disagreement in negotiations then i don't think he's doing the wrong thing personally even from a business point of standpoint because how can they miss you if you never go away another jim Cornette quote but he's right on this particular case oh i i completely agree and it's it's so weird to see, you know, the Twitter about like Killer Cross seems like a very, very nice pal. Um, like he seems like one of those guys that you would just want to do like karaoke one in the morning with. Um, I it just like I know it's like he's such a menacing looking man, but at the same time, like he would probably fight for you if you were like a close friend. It's it, it's weird, um, but it just depending on who you are in the business or or how you decide to step away you get so many various different various different reaction um and it's just 
one of those things that, you know, we're in 2019, we have to accept that we're not always entitled to what we think we're entitled to in terms of being a fan or a, a stan, if you will. It's You can support your favorites without being very, very strong forward with, I don't know how to explain it, but you can support your favorite without getting too far into the deep end of things. Yeah, yeah. And how can I put this? There is a downside as well to being that obsessive about the people you follow in the wrestling world. Like, clearly, as anyone who's seen my Twitter ID knows, I'm a big fan of Mako Satsumura. And I choose my favorites very carefully uh, for various reasons. And Mako mm-hmm. Satsumura has been, is, is a brilliant person to follow because A, she's lovely, she's really, really nice, and she is a true legend in the wrestling industry, but they are few and far between that don't come back and bite you one way or another. Um, so you know and it's like not everybody's perfect in fact some people are downright horrible and you don't always know what what's going to happen with people in the past in the future um i just a a quick side note like i completely agree with that um one thing like locally and i've noticed uh we all know i'm not going to get too much into it we all know uh why james ellsworth left for a bit we we we're all aware if you're not you know how to use google and um we you know th- there are horrible people in the business like and, and there's this, always this debate like should you continue to take bookings because you need the money even if this horrible person's booked there, there's so many kind of um sideways ways to go about it um but like Choose your favorites carefully because, you know, wrestling is wrestling in the long run. You have really great people, really amazing, supportive people. And on the same time, you have people who want to take advantage of others. Um, And, you know, locally, James Ellsworth, well, not locally, locally, but like a state south of wherever West Virginia is for me. Like, he's still being booked there. Um, Mm. And, you know, if you're booking these horrible people, you're taking, making the conscious decision and putting it upon yourself. I'm going to book this person, and if something goes wrong, it's not on me. It's on them, even though I made the conscious decision to book this person. Um, And I think that cancel culture can be a bit ridiculous at times, but in cases like those, it absolutely needs to be necessary. Yeah, it is is focused. And there are even international companies who make bookings they perhaps shouldn't and will suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. Well, not too talking too much about that, but equally, I mean, yes, you're right. Going back to the point of uh, like looking mental self care and, and and looking oh, yeah. after yourself. I mean, there is a, this. It's been a big topic of discussion in the wrestling industry for a long time. But having an off season for wrestlers would be incredibly useful, um, especially in the yeah. bigger companies. You can't do it in the smaller companies because if you're an indie guy, you have to take or indie girl even you have to take the bookings you need to take to make a living. But certainly, yeah. if you're thinking New Japan or WWE, certainly I look at New Japan and they do rotate, especially their older wrestlers. Manubi Nakanishi, who's in his late 40s, is still like, you know, he's an opening, opening match guy, but he's not doing every tour. He's doing the tours he wants to do. Um, he has a big TV show in Japan called Monster, Monster Morning, and he goes and does that. And he'll do, the, he'll do one tour and then take a tour off. And even guys like Okada, he didn't work all the tours this year. He's a couple of tours he skipped because 
he's the guy, he's the man, and you have to protect your investment and look after them. And it doesn't seem to be something that, you know, North American companies are that keen on. With Impact, it's it's kind of okay because they only do TV tapings and they're only working three days a month. But equally, you kind of want your guys paid well enough so they don't have to work the other 31 days of the or 28 days of the month. Uh, Ring of Honor do have full-time contracts for their top, top-level guys, and they are, like, you know, only working TV tapings and pay-per-views. They're not doing as many tours as they used to, um, but they're live-streaming all those tours as well, so everything's on camera for them. WWE, they've started to let people have a couple of months off here and there, and it'd be interesting to see what kind of mode AEW do with that. But from a self-care point of view, I mean, perhaps the biggest case I can think of, as far as my experience is concerned, is Coach Rabushi. You know, the coach is his own man and he does things the way he wants to. And he only just recently tied himself down long term to a company which is New Japan for wrestling. And they've put the rocket behind him. He is the guy that's going to headline Wrestle Kingdom at his current rate of knots. And I don't see him not doing, you know, because he's settled down with the company. But they've learned how to deal with Kota and Kota's learned how to deal with the things he needs to deal with to be a better wrestler. And, you know, it, it took him maybe three years to get himself into a place where he could concentrate and be happy in his professional wrestling. Yeah. And there is, you know, there's never real, any real time limit limit onto when or how you feel better, you know, mentally or physically uh, recovering from, you know, being burnt out or, or physical injuries. Um, and with WWE, like they have proven that pre tapings can work to a degree. Um, if they adopted that style more, I don't necessarily think it would be a bad thing. It would be weird to adjust to it first, but being that I, I don't I don't think that's coming anytime soon just because of, you know, NXT's going live for two hours now on uh, on USA Network, um, and SmackDown and Raw are still going to be a live show. But if you did, you know, pre-tapings, because they funnel in noises and music anyway for, to kind mm-hmm. of dub over crowd reactions, if they needed to do that for... I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying, like, if they needed to pre-tape Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live, would it have a different feel to it? I absolutely think so. But give your guys, you know, your top guys and gals, who they hardly ever utilize, um, some time just to regroup. And that way they can find themselves and, you know, um, be... I'm trying to kind of describe it. Be... um, Work in a kind of clockwork function... Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, when you get to the top of WWE, say you're Becky Lynch at the moment, there is a finite amount of times to how much money you can make and how long you can make it for, and I quite understand that. And there may be a cycle for Becky Lynch of perhaps three to four years where she has to make as much money as she possibly can because she will have to retire at some point, and there will be a time when she cannot make the money she can make now, so she has to make that ride. And you can't take six months off and you can't do the things you want to do. And that's a sacrifice she has to make. I quite understand that. But equally, again, the old adage, the old corner adage, how can I miss you if you never go away, does hold true. Six months off or three months off in the right time at the right place, if booked correctly, can make a big payday for when she comes back. So it's, it's, it's just organizing it right and making it work so that people have a work-life balance, which is something... Like my partner deals with at work, that is his job is treat is kind of training people to have a better work life balance. Working from home one or two days a week in your day job can help you become 
much much happier with how you're going to do your lead your life. You can't do that as a wrestler um, unless you work with DDT, who wrestle in houses a lot. Um, but generally speaking, you know, you've got to self care for these people. These are the people that are. It's a good investment, and I think wrestling companies have started to see that it is an investment in their talent and their future kind of success relies on these guys actually being able to make as much money as they can for as long as possible. Yeah. And and it's, it's it's strange all around. Um, but I think if we adopted self care culture and made it more, um, acceptable to talk about, things would be somewhat different if that makes sense. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the thing. I mean, it is, Wrestling by its very nature is patriarchal, whatever style of wrestling you, you look at all around the world, there is still a veterans over youth kind of deal, especially in certain dojos. There is still an overprotection of young people in, you know, I still think of training schools I've heard about that won't let their wrestlers get any work outside of the training school they may be over 18 years old and be well ready for it but they'll keep pushing them down because they want to control them you know i know of a wrestler who is a big international name who was treated like that when they were a youngster i know sasha banks was treated like that she didn't get into nxt she got into nxt off her own batch because she kept emailing producers at nxt and they gave her a shot her own wrestling school didn't think she'd be ready for another five or six years because she hadn't quote unquote paid her dues I think they probably are kicking themselves now because really they should be claiming how great their student was. (laughs) Yeah. And having, you know, having a weird claim ownership over someone on a smaller scale, it it is a really abusive mindset. Um, You know, you, you pay your dues, you, you respect like that is very, very important, but to another degree, having that kind of mental hold over someone just isn't right. Um, and they ought to be kicking themselves to kind of go off of your point. And it's like, you have to have enough trust in someone so they can do the best for your company, but also be well on their own if they travel or, you know, email producers and get a shot at like Ring of Honor or NXT. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's having that confidence. You should be instilling confidence in your students. I'm having driving lessons at the minute because at the age of 45, I still haven't learned to drive. And my driving instructor told me, I want to get rid of you as soon as I possibly can because then I know I've done a good job of teaching you to drive. Which is the first... He said, I could take money off you forever if you want me to, but you'll know when you're (laughs) at your driving test. And I was like, this is an interesting way of going about education. He said, because there's always going to be people who want to learn to drive. I will never run out of students. However... I want to do a good job with you. So the less lessons you have, the better I am at teaching. Yeah, that's really, really cool. And one thing I, I really love is, you know, the the locker room I'm in with Rise and Uprise. We, we're we such a big family in terms of, you know, uh, showing each other, that, you know, hey, you can have faith in yourself to do this in a match or do this backstage in an interview or be believe in yourself to get an opportunity. And that's such uh, an amazing feeling, um, and I wouldn't change that for the world. I I am so happy with where I am right now creatively, um, and creatively, it's the best I've honestly ever felt. So I mean, if I'm proof of anything, you you have to take care of yourself. Exactly. Right then, we should move on to our other topic of discussion today. AEW will be making their debut with AEW Dynamite on TNT. 
See what they did there. <laughs> oh, the puns, the puns. Cody knows what he he knows what he's doing. He does. Yes, yes. Um, it will be on ITV as well in the UK. So we will be getting AEW, which is international, but well, wrestling to show back on uh, ITV. But the ITV had World of Sports Wrestling, the the revamp World of Sports last year. But it is, I think AEW has probably got a bigger chance of hitting it square. A lot of British talent in AEW as well, like Jimmy Havoc and others too. What are you looking forward to on AEW, and what have you thought of the company so far? And also, because I'm going to give you three questions at once, what do you think of the build-up to the new TV show? Oh, triple question. Triple question. Um, I'm used to putting people on the spot, not the other way around. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, generally, um, just because I'm so involved in local wrestling, I, I, in my internet, sucks. I haven't had much time to kind of catch up on All Elite Wrestling and their their video on demand, which they've already done. They there's three of them so far, I think. Yes. Um, I like I have no time, but um, the concept of what AEW is trying to do, I do like that they're trying to be inclusive to their signings. They're trying to have um, the representation that's kind of missing in in wrestling as of you know the past two or three years. Um, and I do really like that. However, on the flip side, um, the I feel like they need to heavily enforce a zero-tolerance policy. They've already banned one person from all elite wrestling. And obviously, you can't, you know, trap all the trolls at once. But for especially, like, shows in general, um, I know uh, the people at... Mary Marks Pod went to an all elite event and they had a very bad experience. Um, and it's like, if you're going to have representation on your roster, you also need to back up that you stand by them and not, mm-hmm. or have the people who are homophobic, racist, transphobic, like, need to be thrown out. Like, without a doubt in my mind, they need to be, like, escorted from the building. Um, so I, I feel like all elite wrestling has a lot to work on in terms of. Uh, zero tolerance and also having I'm trying to think how to explain it I'm very bad at words even though I'm an interviewer if you couldn't tell um, I, I think they need to have a more diverse roster than what they already have I feel like they can expand on that in the future for, for sure if they keep going on the track that they're going on now um, I will say I love Jungle Boy, Marco Stunt, and Luchasaurus. They have my heart. I absolutely adore them. Um, and it, it's so nice to see that, you know, the people that from the independents that got signed onto All Elite Wrestling are, are getting this just fulfilling support from their fans and the people who they used to work with who are still on the Indies. I think that's very, very cool. Um However, there, there's always there's goods and there's bads. Um, to kind of go on the flip side of the bat, yeah. Um, I there is going to be trash talk between because they're going to be on at the same time WWE and All Elite Wrestling. Um, obviously, there's going to be trash talk. You know that that's just that comes with the territory. Uh, we all saw what Kenny Omega had mentioned uh, earlier in the week, um, and. That's all well and good. Like, we all know it's to work. We all know. Like, kind of breaking the fourth wall here for us. Like, we all know it's to work. We all know they're trying to build up their rosters with as much talk as they can to get people interested in watching. And I think 
that is going to work. However, uh, the way Kenny Omega has kind of worded his opinion to kind of sell all elite wrestling, um, fans are going to see that, the toxic fans are going to see that, and then use that to run with, well, Kenny said this, so we can say all these ABC horrible things and get away with it. Um, And I think the mindset of those toxic fans, they need... And I will give credit because someone had directly trash-talked WWE to... Or Matt Riddle in Matt Jackson's mentions, and he did say, hey, you know, we're cool. And I have to give them perks for that. Um, I just think they have to be not PG themselves when talking about their brands, but pay attention because if they uh, perceive these opinions that are kind of negative, people are going to run with it and kind of um, snowball the horrible things. Yes, I, I can see what you mean. With the, Kenny, the Kenny comments from my point of view, I can see what he's trying to do. And I can see that mm-hmm. he's kind of like playing heel and he's, he's trying to get a reaction there. But it would have been far classier if he'd just not mentioned WWE at all. You know, uh, it's it's like you, they wanted some real politicians' answers in those in those questions. You know, uh, politicians do it all the time. Boris Johnson drives me nuts with it because he will be at prime minister's questions and just plow over what Jeremy Corbyn's saying with something completely different. But this is this isn't like prime minister's question. Is you're not trying to hold this uh, buffoon to account. You're trying to sell your product. So you should take every opportunity just to override the question that's being framed and reframe it in the way you want to. Say something interesting without like answering the question is what you should really say. And you know, I I agree with Kenny to an extent. Obviously, he's trying to make it his product seem better than the opposition it's going up against. But it's far easier just to not speak about them at all. Yeah. Because you know I... WWE won't. Because it would give them too much publicity. It would. And um, I said this on another podcast I did locally where, you know, more televised wrestling is good for everyone. It it gives you more accessible options. And wrestling has been more accessible on the internet and on television than it's ever really been uh, with, you know, the networks and all the video on demand and the apps and and just all the the social media access um, that competition is good but some people take it to the extreme um which is a really horrible thing to see and very discouraging uh it's a reason i stopped watching wwe for like two and a half months just because the overwhelming negativity just turned me off to the whole idea and same with all elite wrestling i i'm not against what any of them are doing it just the fans to an extent make it so unbearable where you're constantly seeing all these negative opinions and it kind of sours you so when you're ready to enjoy it again you have to give yourself time um but I am excited to kind of flip back and forth between uh, NXT and All Elite Wrestling. And it's really cool because um, there are two wrestlers who used to wrestle locally uh, at um, International Wrestling Cartel, IWC, uh, in Elizabeth, Pennsylvania, Wardlow and Britt Baker. Uh, Wardlow just got signed after their last event, which is very, very cool because he's one of those local guys who have kind of paved the way and, and created this trail for younger people coming in behind him um so you know well deserved all around um and you know you have these little kids looking up to these wrestlers at all elite wrestling and nxt and wwe and that might encourage them to pursue you know any sort of career and and give them that courage 
So I, I think we need to look at it from that aspect as well, where it can create memories and, and pave these paths for, you know, generations down. Yeah, I, I think this is the thing with AEW. They are trying to do, produce a different product and they are trying to do some good things. And more major league wrestling is important for the growth of the industry. You know, uh, in the UK, we're kind of having this bit of an issue at the moment because uh, there's been a major drain on resources. When you've got guys like Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. going to New Japan and you've got Kip Sabre and Jimmy Havoc going to AEW and you've got all of the WWE NXT guys there, all of the top end of our card has kind of disappeared. But really... That's the opportunity for people to come through and do different things. You know, you've got Chuck Mambo, who's suddenly a major star because there's no one else there. You know, God bless Chuck Mambo. Yeah, he was a progress mid-card guy. He's got picked up. He's done a couple of slots for Impact. He's still a good guy in, still a good guy for for progress. You know, those are the kinds of guys that need to step up. I know it's harder. But there is always opportunity there, and the companies that should that were promoting the WWE NXT UK guys, and the guys that have gone to New Japan, and the guys that have gone to AEW, should have realised and started planning for this two or three years ago. And to an extent, because Progress and ICW were in on the ground floor of the WWE expansion, they have a better chance of doing it. And the Ali Pali show for Progress this year was a well attended, organised, and highly rated event. Um, so, you know, there are, they have put things in place to make things grow again. And I don't think it's the end of Brit Rest as everyone presented this summer. However, there has been, you know, things that the companies, companies have to play for. And it brings that down at the indie level of the United States, there is going to be holes in the roster that need filling and new styles will be made on the indie circuit because, you know, that's the way this works. It's the same as the old territory system, you know, back in the day and it's a development of that you don't have the territories anymore but all of a sudden now this place is to move to you can have a career in one place and then go have a career somewhere else we're back to levels of competition we're back to levels of development you have four full-time wrestling companies in the united states of america you know you can wrestle for impact and if you're one of the top guys you can make a full-time living you can make a full-time living in ring of honor you can make a full-time living in wwe and you can make a full-time living in AEW. and technically you can make a full-time living in AAA and full-time living in cmll so there are plenty of opportunities in north american wrestling for you to 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 um ply your craft get better at where you are and progress from one place to another you know, I think the guy that really sums up the way modern wrestling should work for me was Alex Kozlov, who um, wrestled as one half of the Forever Hooligans in New Japan with Rocky Romero. He was a Chaos member. But his thought process was he didn't understand wrestling in front of small crowds. He never worked the indie circuit. He started as a WWE developmental guy. And then when he finished with WWE, he went to AAA. And when Triple CML offered him more money, he went to CMLL, and he went back to AAA, and then he went to New Japan. And then he worked in New Japan. His first indie show was when he was on loan from New Japan Pro Wrestling to Ring of Honor. That was his first indie-style show, the first time he prayed, first time he did a show to less than 1,000 people in his entire career. You know, and, and that was possible 10 years ago, and you can do it again now. Yeah, and one thing, kind of two quick points. Sugar Dunkerton had posted a, a, a very kind of hard-hitting promo um, about, you know, guys are constantly saying, you know, 
there's going to be a death of Andy. Like, I'm not quoting exactly. Like, I'm, I'm sure you, who's ever listening knows who I'm talking about or what I'm talking about. But, you know, guys keep saying, you know, at some point, indie wrestling is going to die. And if you have that mindset, you're not going to get anywhere. You you no. have it, it, it's it's independent wrestling and even locally here, it's constantly growing and evolving from you know ideas and and backstage work and the guys you know improving on what they can do with promos and character development, and you know even on a global scale with you know all these people signing to bigger companies from the indies, that leaves a spot open that. It's an opportunity for everyone kind of who hasn't signed or coming up into these companies that, you know, this top spot was filled by Jimmy Havoc or or, or Ginny or you name it, where that gives me a chance to evolve on my character and try new things out until I can earn a top spot or become one of those people who have their eyes or can be watched and have uh, eyes on them. Um, and also, too, kind of... Uh, Shane Taylor is a huge example of that. He was, you know, this big menacing man who would beat people up, and he was kind of not paid much attention to. And he's become um, Ring of Honor World Television Champion, I believe. And, mm. and now he's expanding on that to Shane Taylor Promotions, where he's going around these companies and finding people who can learn under his wing uh, locally as well. Uh, the Rev Ron Hunt just got signed to Shane Taylor Promotions. He's been doing great things outside of his uh, news job. Um, and it's like, there's an example of locally, if you have those connections or you work hard, you can earn these opportunities. Yeah, this is it. This is the this is the way that the business is going to change and evolve, I think. Again, we are getting back to the point where you've got four or five companies in the country it's never going to be back like the NWA back in the 1930s with 60 or 70 companies in North America <clears throat> and around the, maybe 80 companies around the world because it can't be like that because of the nature of the beast. But certainly you can change the way the industry is presenting itself at the moment and give more opportunities for more work for people. You know, uh, there used to be, I mean, me and Ben Spindler were talking about this a while back, but there used to be about 200 or so companies in the UK. That was 200 or so big name companies, companies that could run a show anywhere and even not including people that just like ran one hall and one-off promotions and stuff. And now that's come down to around about a more manageable figure, but it's what's sustainable within the market, you know, and it's not the end of BritRest. It just means that places like Southside has closed up doors recently because of the, the way that they've like promoted with their big name stars, which they don't have access to anymore. And they've kind of merged with Rev Pro, so that you know the the backstage talent, um, backstage talent we were too good to lose haven't gone AWOL because Rev Pro and Andy Quinlan's using them uh, for their own development. So there's been plenty of things going on in indie wrestling that have been perceived as bad. You know, IPW in the UK is closed down as well, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad long term. It just means that. Certain things are having to contract, and that's the way markets go. I'm not a big fan of capitalism, but pro wrestling is the most capitalistic thing in the world outside of the big money table at the Bellagio in Las Vegas, <laughs> Nevada. <laughs> so, you know, that's the way it goes, I'm afraid. Um, and one thing I've kind of learned, too, um, you when you, you know, there's a certain mold um and process in wrestling for getting those top spots and, and, and learning and developing as a character, I've noticed. Um, and even personally, like, 
when I first started out everything, what we discussed uh, when I was last on, mm. you, you, when you, <sighs> pro wrestling is a beast in itself, trying to figure things out and finding what works personally for you and what connects to the fans. Um, I'm still trying out new things. And even though I, I, I found flooding with the voice of Lola Bradbury, if you will, uh, I'm still learning on how I can, you know, be more personable or be more um, just camera focused. And, and there's these little things that no one really pay attention to anymore that I want to learn so I can become better as, you know, uh, a post-show host, a pre-show host, uh, a backstage interviewer and expand on, you know, th- you never stop learning. And if you have a mindset, well, I've learned this, then I don't need to learn anymore. That doesn't help anybody uh, in the locker room or yourself, especially, or those who believe in you. Um, and Marcus Mann has kind of instilled that in me where I'm doing something good. And if I keep at it, I can have something great. Uh, and just having those positive reminders from the people you work with um, help that mindset. Yeah, exactly. You know, there is always going to be some feel good stories in wrestling. Like, for instance, in a couple of weeks' time, the Rock and Roll Express. At ages of 63 and 65 will be making their New Japan Pro Wrestling debuts. That's amazing. Oh, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, and it's like, and they've done it the hard way. They have been around for a long, long time. Now, yes, they're not going to produce a five-star classic. However, they do know how to put a professional wrestling match together. And you can learn a lot from watching Ricky and Robert. But yeah, so there's always going to be a positive story. And there's always more you can learn and more you can put to your stuff and more you can put to your thing. Um, and that's really, as fans, what you should be watching out for. Who is developing? Who is putting this stuff together? Who's tweaking things? And who's making wholesale changes? Sometimes a wholesale change works as well, but you know it's very few and far between. Usually it's just tweaking what you already have. Yeah, and you, you always can find new things to try, and you can always... I'm, I'm the person where I'm, my brain is constantly thinking of things creatively like my brain never sleeps like I have to force myself to take breaks because I'm constantly trying to expand on on what I'm already doing and yeah it's wrestling is a learning process in itself um and I I think that you know in the next year and a half I'm hoping we can see more positivity and acceptance with you know talent and and exposure and um equality in terms of uh, intergender matches and you name it. Yes, I hope we can see some depth to what we've already got because things are going great and now there's now there's opportunity to grow and do more great and wonderful things. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Lola. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I had a lot to talk about, so I'm just <laughs> rambling about things. <laughs> okay, where can we find you on social media? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Lola underscore Bradbury. You can find me on Instagram as Lola underscore Bradbury. You can also follow Rise Wrestling uh, with a Y, R-Y-S-E Wrestling um, on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter at Rise underscore Wrestling where we post uh, my interviews, promos from the wrestlers. Um, On my Twitter, I post clips of my pre-show work. Um, I'll also be posting clips of my post-show work after the show next Sunday. So just stay tuned for that, I guess. 
Okay, well, thank you very much. You can find me at Sheriff Lonestar on Twitter. You can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at The Troopany Show and Patreon, where you can find us at The Troopany Show as well. And you can keep us free forever for everyone. Please go speak to our sponsors in the Empire magazine, of which I am managing editor. Is issue four out at the moment, which has got a front cover front cover interview with RJ City. Uh, you can also go speak to our partners at powerslam.tv and you can listen to their promo now. And if you use our code MULLETWATCH, you get a free month free with a 12-month subscription. We will be back next week. Take care and see you soon. Bye. <laughs>